welcome to episode two of season two of Spill It. Hi, I'm Santhal, the host. How exciting. How exciting that we're back here again, once again, to talk about books, like every other episode that I've done. Um, I'll have to say that this month was quite a marathon. Um, you wouldn't think that two days makes a difference, but February being shorter than all the other months does really take an effect. Um, especially when I'm reading right to the last day, um, which will be yesterday if this podcast is released tomorrow, which is the 1st of March. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to say that this reading month was very interesting, a lot of new things that I've discovered. I read a self-help book, which you will hear about later, and a non-fiction and some two other very interesting books. So let's just get right into this episode. So the first book I read this month is The Hobbit or There and Back Again by J.R.R. Tolkien. I don't know if I need to introduce this book because it's so widely known. But a brief synopsis would be, there is this hobbit, which is a short man um, who has woollen feet and lives comfortably in the Shire and loves to sit in their houses and eat food and be comfortable. And the main character is a hobbit and he lives this very peaceful life until Gandalf, this wizard, comes and knocks on his door and brings with him a company of dwarves for an adventure where they have to reclaim their homeland. It's a very sweet and, well, not short story, but it's a very... um, small story in terms of the magnitude of the Lord of the Rings which comes afterwards. It's a prequel and tells the history of the ring before Lord of the Rings and so I finished that book. It was great. Um, I think I've read it before because um, I have two copies, but I don't remember anything at all from the book. So I think I'm considering this the first time I've read it. And the novel is really sweet and um, calm, I would say. Um, It is considered a children's story as compared to Lord of the Rings because it isn't as complicated and it's quite straightforward um the, but the language is much harder to read and a little bit difficult to get into so i think if you're a teenager then reading this book would be fine but the in terms of the story concepts and ideas it is a children's story um the reason that i read the hobbit and have such a 
fond liking of it was because I actually watched the trilogy of movies first. And let me tell you, those movies really fattened the story. Um, kind of in a way that I could describe it as the way that the witch made Hansel and Gretel fat to eat them in the gingerbread house. That's the fattening that occurred. Um, but the story itself has a different appeal as compared to Lord of the Rings. I could say if I recall reading Harry Potter, the first novel, because I kind of got bored of Harry Potter, don't burn me at the stake for that, but um, Harry Potter disappointed me because the book didn't have the same effect the more I read the series. The first book is my favorite. It was such a sweet and good story that I kind of just fell into it and then after a while I kind of got bored. Um, but The Hobbit has that same atmosphere and storytelling that is seen as in Harry Potter. So if you want something similar then I do recommend you read The Hobbit. Um, but The Hobbit is for a slightly older audience um, than Harry Potter. And I would also think that if you want to read Lord of the Rings, then The Hobbit is a better way to get into the writing style and the way that Tolkien tells a story because the way that stories are written nowadays are a lot more contemporary. I would describe it as pre-2000 um, writing style. If you've read enough books published before 2000, something like 1990s, then you would understand the type of writing that I'm talking about. So if you want to read The Lord of the Rings, I suggest reading The Hobbit first to get into the way that Tolkien writes stories. And because it was such a short, short and sweet novel, I didn't have any complaints about it. I rated it 5 out of 5. It was a great story. I also rewatched the movies afterwards because I have not such nostalgia for the actual movies as well. I cried in the movies, not in the book. Um, but it is a really good story and a lot of people say that it's one of the stories that many people say that they've read but haven't actually and I hope that isn't going to be any of you guys. It's a great novel, it's fun, it's unique and many of Tolkien's work has influence in the culture of fantasy nowadays. So if you want a more original story with elves and goblins and hobbits and wizards, then I cannot recommend The Hobbit enough. And I hope to read Lord of the Rings this month, but we'll see how that goes. The Lord of the Rings is a lot more hard to get through because I distinctly remember not being able to get through at least the first three chapters. So we'll see how that goes, but I'm hoping for the best. The second book I read this month was Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. It's a non-fiction about the interactions we have with strangers and how society has created these ideas of strangers like 
transparency and default to truth, which are detailed in the novel, and how they are no help to us in actually understanding and meeting strangers. Uh, it specifically is a very detailed and meticulous um, investigation in the case of Sandra Bland, a woman who was pulled over by a police officer in Prairie View, Texas, um, that ended in her arrest and three days after she committed suicide. And this tragedy, this interaction between two strangers caused and caused Malcolm Gladwell to investigate strangers and how these things that make our interactions with strangers so good but also sometimes very wrong and infactual what makes them the way they are and he goes through history and events in history like famous British leadership meeting Hitler he speaks about cases of murder in Italy and how we totally expect to understand another human being based on this idea that we can just figure out who they are the first time we meet them. And it is factual, it's entertaining, and it is so detailed in answering the question that there seems to be very little that Gladwell has left out. Um, I have to say it is quite triggering the cases and the investigations he uses on in no way for a younger audience. I would definitely recommend you be an adult or in high school before you read it because it is it is very triggering. Out of all of the non-fictions that I've read before, this one I'd have to say was one of my favorites because often when I read non-fiction it is very overly factual with statistics and numbers and graphs and that is very interesting to hear about but in no way does that build your case in which you usually when I read a non-fiction it's building a case in which I want to agree with what you are saying and many of the non-fictions that I've read do that so easily um, whereas talking to strangers is more literary it's it's more of an article it's made so that a majority of people could enjoy and understand and indulge in this discussion that Gladwell is having about strangers as a person who has been forced to read biological journals and historical journals this was a breath of fresh air because it did not make me want to cry because I didn't understand anything and I think also that fact has contributed to the fact that I listened to the audiobook and it was in fact narrated by Gladwell and included many different voices so if you can find the audiobook on YouTube that would be even better. Um, what I found the most riveting about the book is that it 
in fact left me with more questions and insecurity and in how much I can truly understand someone else because I think it's important that we understand that another human being is another human being with as many memories and thoughts and ideas and history as yourself and it's very different to accept a stranger as having the same value and story as yourself and it's something that we all need to learn and think about especially because the Sandra Bland case was so important in the Black Lives Matter movement I feel that if everyone read this book we would have an equal understanding of why the Black Lives Matter movement is important but also how we understand each other as human beings and discover empathy and so if you're really interested in that I cannot recommend this book enough I loved it so much it is a bit long but it is artful it is heart-wrenching and it is very human however there is always an important thing to be said about nonfiction, especially because Gladwell is so persuasive. We need to understand that you need to take everything you read with a grain of salt. And even though Gladwell was very good in understanding both sides of every discussion, he was paradoxical in how he could just change my mind from one second to the next. We just, I just need to remind you guys that he is trying to persuade you of something, so always read with the idea that you are being taught an idea, and that idea might not always be the best option, but the way that he investigated and supported it made it one of the most was the most compelling thing about this book. But also, it doesn't have to be about the Black Lives Matter movement, but rather an overall understanding of people and humanity. So if you're really interested in that, it is fascinating and I totally recommend it. I did give it a 5 out of 5. It is one of the best non-fictions that I've ever read, so thumbs up to Malcolm Gladwell. Then the third book that I've read this month is Reasons to be Cheerful by Nina Stubb. Um, so this book is a fiction about this girl named Lizzie Vogel and she's 18 year old, 18 years old and she just got a job as a nurse for a dentist and she has to move away from home and it's basically a book on Lizzie's life as she transitions from a kid and staying with her family to living on her own and the loneliness and also the adventures that she has um, during this time. The book, the way that the book is written reminds me a lot of Judy Bloom. If you know Judy Bloom, she's written a bunch of novels um, and it has that type of fun, almost quirky um, 1990s kind of writing style um it is set in the 1980s despite the published novel being very recent so it's understandable the way that the author writes is very in tune with 1980s and um it's 
very calm, I could say. Um, it's not as progressive for women. It contains characters who are racist and xenophobic, which is a reflection of that time. It is set in the UK. Um, it's actually funny, which was a really good and nice surprise after all the depressing novels that I've been reading lately, especially City of Jasmine, as I've said before, which was like really, really sad. Um, it's funny and it's lighthearted, but it also, I could say that it contains all of the little moments in life that books leave out most of the time. During a novel, you kind of only get the the action or um, parts of agency and you don't really like read about eating breakfast in the morning with your family where you have irrelevant conversations or dinner. And I could say that the value that I found in this novel was that it contained all of those little moments that you or I would experience every day and not think it to be worthy of being a novel and yet um, Reasons to be Cheerful did that and did it in a very light-hearted, um, fun way that made it interesting despite not having a very uh, strong plot. It was more following this girl's life as she learned to be an adult and dealt with making new friends and learning to drive and it contained all the little moments in life that we often think aren't really that much fun to read about but it was very fun to read in Stubbs novel um it reminded me that a lot of the ridicularity in the novel reminded me by of Star Island by Carl Hayeson, but do not do not read Star Island. I swear, do not read it. If you want something that's lighthearted, funny, and a bit weird and interesting, then I recommend Reasons to Be Cheerful. I did give it a four out of five because it was so refreshing to have a novel that didn't include this trying to save the world and I'm the only one who could do it kind of you know those type of things or this depressing um times of war or I don't know it's just just really nice and comforting I don't think I'll read it again because I don't really love it but I really enjoyed a novel that didn't take itself too seriously and kind of enjoyed writing um, about an ordinary person's life and it was really fun totally recommend it if you're looking for something a little bit less dreary to read and then finally the last book of the month after reading the absolute masterpiece of talking to strangers a non-fiction by Malcolm Gladwell I moved on to another non-fiction slash self-help book the Shrink and the Sage, A Guide to Living by Julian Baggini and Antonia Maccaro. Let me tell you, reading Talking to Strangers has severely changed the way that I appreciate nonfiction and rate nonfiction. 
I feel like every book after that one will forever be lesser than in my mind. Hopefully I'll find more books that are equally amazing and interesting and well structured. But moving on to The String and the Stage, um, I've always had this thing against self-help books because they have this reluctance to tell you what to do. It's never a concrete answer and I would describe it as a flip-flop argument where they would move from sentence to sentence using words like yet, but, yet, again, um, however, although, and they would contradict the statements which they had just said and write entire essays on it the whole way through. And that's the problem I had with this book is every subject they did, they didn't um, collect the negatives and the positives and then give evidence. And I think it's just my very finicky structure that I was taught in high school about how you're supposed to structure your essays and how you're supposed to just structure an argument that makes me so irritated when reading books like this. Um, and makes it so frustrating because you get to the end of the the chapters in which they want to give you an answer and by the end you don't even remember what the argument was about anymore. Um, I don't want to say that The Shrink and the Sage didn't teach me anything because I find that extremely incorrect to say that a book never teaches you anything any book will teach you at least one thing and um i did find some very interesting pieces of information here about living um but it just feels like i was going around in circles and it didn't emphasize any arguments or proof or give a real answer based on the the experience of the shrink which was a psychiatrist and the sage was a a philosopher and i felt that it had so much potential because you had these two people who you don't see get into discussions get in and collaborate on this book and also because it was a collaboration between two authors I could see that there is a sense of contradiction in the voice. I would describe voice as it's something that only a, an author can do. It's a way that the person writes a novel or chapter or an essay, specifically something that's more personal than a journal or a uh, article that is a scientific journal. And it's got the sense of personality that those pieces of literature don't have and I find that because there were two authors that wanted to make the voice a singular one they kind of didn't have a voice it had almost this hollow feeling of just this robot talking to you in a sense and I also found at certain points I could describe it as words being replaced by looking up the replacement in the thesaurus. If you're going to write a guide to living, a basic self-help book, 
then there's no need to make the language unnecessarily flowered or complicated. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's not like this book is bad. Um, I do remember reading, I think, a book by the Dalai Lama, which had a very similar structure and way that it answered questions in the book. Um, and they both equally fell out in terms of the fact that they didn't um, give enough, I could say, enough to prove to me that I should be taking their advice. They should be more compelling and not as impassive about what they want someone to do. If you have years of experience as a shrink, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, then you should be giving stories and analogies and anecdotes. And I was just looking for more of that. And there was just this one person's perspective with a vague littering of evidence. And it was really a disappointing read. To be honest, I didn't completely hate it. I mean, I got bored most of the time, but there were parts that I really enjoyed. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yes, yes, I totally agree with that. Especially because I'm at a point in my life where a lot of things are changing. I'm going to university soon. Um, it was helpful to read a book that was almost like a guide to some parts of my life that was changing, that is changing currently. It was nice to have something that grounded me in this intense changing period. Um, but I would give it a 2 out of 5. I feel like if I hadn't read Talking to Strangers, then my mind would be completely different about this book. I would probably be a little bit more lenient and give it a 3, um, but I can't. I just, I cannot in my right mind give this book any higher than two, knowing that books as amazing, okay, I'm being a bit dramatic, as books as good as Talking to Strangers exist. And when I find more of them, I will blurt about them and rant about them so much on this podcast that you will probably get sick of me, okay. just gonna say goodbye to everyone thank you for listening to another episode of spill it uh i just wanted to say that i am not sure if i'll be able to keep up with the four books a month schedule i'm starting university next month well this month and so i'll really be trying i guess to read as many books as possible but I'll just have to see how the schedule goes with studying and all of that. But I'm hopeful that my enthusiasm and commitment to publishing, posting, I guess, my podcast will maintain me through this struggle. And I hope that you will continue to join me and continue to listen as I spill all the interesting things about books I've read. Thank you, and I'll see you on the next episode.
bye.